you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read out of Colossians chapter 3. This has been familiar to us. <clears throat> if then you have been raised with Christ. So he's talking about believers. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We cannot live or we cannot be a victim and become what God desires and created us to be. We can't do it. Either we will be a victim and live according to what we see in the natural or we will live with our minds set on things above where Christ is seated and live a victorious and overcoming life, but we cannot live both ways at the same time. One of them has to give. We cannot set our minds on the things of the earth and then act like we're going to bring heaven down to earth. It doesn't work that way. You can't look at things in the natural and then believe God for the supernatural. So if you're going to believe God for the supernatural, then you have to set our minds, your mind on things above where Christ is. <clears throat> and we will live one way or the other and, and the choice is ours. We will decide. We cannot live with our minds on the natural and be a victim and live victorious and overcoming. It doesn't work that way. Nor can we set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and live defeated and be a victim. We can't do that. If you set your mind on things above, if you set your heart on the things of God and you are committed to that, and as I said last week, it's not easy, but it is possible. If we will do that, then God will change your life. He may not always change our circumstances, but he will change our lives and we will see God in a different way. We will see our circumstances in a different way. Faith will arise in us. But if we keep our eyes and our minds set on the things of this world, we'll lose faith. We'll lose hope. We'll get discouraged real quick. Where we set our minds in reality determines our identity. Either as a victim that is defeated or as an overcoming, overcomer living victorious. And the choice is ours. Last week we looked at Paul and Moses. And I'm going to just touch on those real quick. Um, but they were saying the same thing, just a little bit different ways. But the bottom line is, is we choose. No one else chooses for us. We choose where we are going to set our minds. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. So you're setting your mind on the things of this world. But those who. Listen, who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Why? Because you're always viewing things according to what you see. And you're not bringing him into the equation. And, and I believe that this is that our hostility towards God is we start blaming him for things. And that's why it's so important for us to set our minds on things above. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. How can you submit to something you don't know anything about? Those who are, up, who are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because the Scripture says that it is by faith that we please God. Well, how do you gain faith? By thinking on things above. By thinking on God's Word. By listening to the Holy Spirit. By obeying what you're hearing and seeing and putting it into practice. And just word of caution, it's not good to be hostile with God. But there's life and peace if we set our mind on the Spirit. Um, keep a finger in Romans chapter 8 because we're going to come back there. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, we looked at what Moses said last week. Deuteronomy 30, 15. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If, everybody say if. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules. And I have in parentheses, just like last week, mind set on, the, on things above. How many times have we seen people that they'll tell you, well, they love God, they believe in God, but then that's it. They may even have salvation through Jesus Christ and faith in Him, but then they don't do anything else. And they keep their minds set on the things that they see in the natural. And it, because when you do that, you're not doing what Moses is encouraging them to do. This is a lifestyle. This is a way of life He's offering them. And they have to respond to it. They have to walk in this way. It's not a, hey, believe in Jesus and you're going to go to heaven. That might be true, and, and, but... What about a life change? Why not allow heaven to come to earth? Why wait until your earth gets to heaven? God hasn't called us just to that. He's called us to bring heaven to earth. You know, we sang about it this morning, but are we willing to put it into practice? Are we willing to do what it takes? And he says, if you'll do all these things, then, everybody say then. You shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. And again, in parenthesis, mindset on the natural, earthly things. So in other words, you're choosing to walk away from God. You're choosing to live according to what you see in the natural. You're limiting yourself to the natural realm. And he says, if you do that, verse 18, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. And you know, we have this thought in our mind. Well, I, I'm still living in sin and, and 
I'm, I'm not perishing. Hang on. You know, the enemy lied to Adam the same thing. And within one, his kin, his sons, one became a murderer. And you're talking about you're not going to perish? Yes, you are. You're going to live miserably. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to, his fa to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Setting our mind on Christ is not an easy thing. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right? Setting our mind on Christ takes faith. It takes determination. It takes desire. It takes hunger. It takes discipline. But here's one of the benefits. Isaiah 26.3 says, just think about it. Listen to this. I mean, this is amazing. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. It's exactly what Paul was saying. It's exactly what Moses is saying. You keep your mind set on Him, you're going to have peace. Why? And I love this little part that he adds. Because he trusts in you. It's faith. Setting our mind on the things above. Setting our mind and our heart on God's word. It begins to bring faith and it, it causes faith to rise up in us. And that's how we please God. That's how we walk with him. We learned out of Luke chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 6, 61 that we are anointed for the plans and the purposes God has for us. And they're good plans. And they are not just for us, but it's for all those in this world that God allows us to rub shoulders with, that we have contact with, that we have influence with. God has those great plans for us and He's anointed us for that. Therefore, God has poured out His Spirit upon us. And we need to take advantage of that. And when we're reading all of this, especially in Romans, Paul is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers and he's telling them, hey, this is what you have to do. And the challenge is, is to set their minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is for believers. This is for us today, not unbelievers. So it is the choice of a believer, of you and I, as to where we are going to set our minds. Just hear me out on this when I say this. All right, don't shout me down. We can have the nature of God without the power of God. You can be born again. You can have God resting in you. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that doesn't mean that you're going to walk in the power of God. To walk in the power of God means that we have to learn to set our mind on things above. 
if you'll turn with me to Philippians, but hold your place in Romans 8. I promise you we're going to get there. Walking in and with the Holy Spirit is a decision we must make every day. Philippians chapter 4. But it's not just daily, it's hourly. And it's not just hourly, but it's minutes. And it's not just minutes, but it's every moment. We have to decide, am I going to set my mind on things above? Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says it like this, starting in verse 8. And this is towards the end of his letter to them. So he says, finally, brothers. So again, he's writing to believers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about it. <laughs> that means you, you should minimize uh, you should minimize the number of newspapers you read. You should minimize how much you're on the internet searching for news. Because it's not always filled with the good news. Paul is telling us that we have to set our mind on, the th on these things. Okay. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence. If anything of, worthy of praise, think on these things. There's one person that I know fulfills all of these. And that's God. Paul's laboring this out, but really he's saying, set your mind on things above. Think on things above. And then he says in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. <laughs> he doesn't say just think about them. He doesn't say just hope that they come your way. He says, practice them. Practice what? Practice where we're setting our mind. Practice what we're thinking on. You can get real discouraged if you're just thinking on what is before you. You know what Diana struggles. It's, it's so amazing to me that every time that we're facing this, our faith increases because we're declaring over her body the word of God. And every time we hear it, our faith is increasing. And it doesn't matter what we see in the natural. We still know what God has done through Jesus Christ. In the same work that He saved us, He also delivers us and He brings healing to us. Nothing's ever going to change our mind on that. And so He says, practice these things. And if we'll practice these things, then guess what he says? And the God of peace will be with you. Now, if you go before this, the verses before this, he's talking about doing some things too. And he said, and the peace of God will, be, will guard your heart and mind. 
So we get the peace of God. And then if we'll continue and do this, put this into practice, then he says, then we get the God of peace. Whew. Now, look, I'm, I want everything that God has for me, so I want the peace of God, but I want the God of peace in my life as well. We can't have it both ways. If we don't set our mind on God, on things above, on Christ, then we can't complain when we don't have the God of peace with us. To have the God of peace with us means we have to put into practice what Paul just told us. Not only in Philippians, but in Romans chapter 8 and elsewhere. We have to think on these things. Here's what happens when we choose not to set our minds on Christ, on the things above. You ready? We limit ourselves and identify ourselves with our woundedness. We limit ourselves and identify ourselves with our woundedness. We elevate our pain, our woundedness, our suffering. And we allow it to be something higher in our lives than what God intended it to be. I'm not naive in thinking that we're never going to have pain and woundedness and suffering. We are. But God says, I'll use all of that to draw you closer to me so that we can come and learn more about Him. But most of the time, we use all of those things to stay away from God. And God intends for them to be an avenue for us to draw close to God. And when we don't draw close to God, and we elevate our pain and our woundedness and our suffering above where it's supposed to be, then we become a victim. Because we have elevated our natural circumstances greater than what heaven has to say about it and what God has provided for us in Christ. The world doesn't have this option. Only believers have this option. As believers, we have the promises of God in the finished work of Christ to allow us to rise above our natural pain and the circumstances that we face and bring healing so that we don't have to stay as victims and limit our lives to the natural realm. The Holy Spirit through Moses and Paul is trying to get us to see that it is to our benefit to have our minds set on God. It's good for us. It's life and peace for us. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at that again. We're almost there. Moses and Paul are trying to get us to see that there is more to life than what we see in the natural. There's a greater life out there for us. There's a higher life for us to live in and to enjoy being, connection, being connected with God. And that brings me to Romans chapter 8, verse 12. I think we did Romans 5 to 8, verse 12. So then, brothers... 
talking to believers again. We are debtors. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's some work. That doesn't just happen. What does he mean by the Spirit? He's meaning we have to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. We have to be attentive to the promptings and and the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit in our life, which is going to be to God's Word. It's going to be to the wise counsel that others can give us. And it's going to be by us obeying what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is telling us to do. And if we'll do that, then we'll put to death the deeds of the body, the things of the natural, and we will live. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He doesn't say for all who have the Spirit. He said for all who are led by the Spirit. For you, do, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we. It's conditional now. Provided we suffer with Him. With Christ. Why is that important? In order that we may also be glorified with Him. There's no resurrection without a death. And this is the suffering that he's talking about. Is not living according to the, our natural realm. Not living according to our flesh. Not giving in to sin. But resisting that with the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing who God has called us to be. And trusting in Him. Walking with Him by faith. He says, and because have you ever tried to deny your flesh? Does your flesh say, okay, that sounds good. We'll do that. No, it rises up. It wants to have a tantrum. It doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. It will resist you in all ways. And, and so there's a suffering that comes in, but it's not like suffering because of the circumstances. You're suffering because you're choosing to follow God. You're choosing to trust Him. And living by the Spirit means that we're setting our mind on things above, on the Spirit. And this is the good life that God has for us. And he mentions that we're heirs, and we're going to look at that in just a second, but we cannot think of ourselves as heirs with God and of God and with Christ when our minds are thinking down here. We can only walk in being an heir with God and of Christ by setting our, thing, our mind on things above. 
God is offering us an invitation as believers to live a different life. And I'm telling you, being an heir with God and of Christ is it's a wonderful thing. Let me give you a few scriptures. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. And it's not just the promise of salvation. It's the promise of God walking with us. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Later on in this chapter, I believe it is, either if it's not later on, it's just a little bit before. He's, he even defines what the promise of God is in our lives. The Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6 and 7. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know, Abba, Father is a relationship. It's not a salvation, Abba, Father. I mean, thank God he saves us. But when Paul is talking about this and, and using that word Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy is what he's saying. That means that there's a relationship with us and God. And it's an intimate relationship. It's not a dating relationship. It's not a weekly relationship. Verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Ephesians 3.6 This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7. Titus 3, 4 to 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Man. Isn't that awesome? By His own mercies. Because He wanted to pour out His mercies upon us. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. Verse 7. Thank you. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know, if you if you are an heir, you have something to look forward to, something of greater value, greater worth. And that is true for every believer. God has so much more for us, more than we can fathom or grasp, think or imagine. And as believers, we get to walk in it if we set our minds on things above. In Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
what Paul is talking about right here is the good life. A life filled with possibilities beyond what we see in the natural. And the choice is ours as to whether we will experience it or not. Like Moses told the people of Israel, they have to keep their minds set on God. They have to desire Him and His ways and seek them out and walk in them. And they would experience the good life, real life. Paul tells us the same thing. Think about what it means to be an heir, co-heir, a co-laborer with the God of the universe, the creator of the world. And he invites us to have a life lived out with him. It's a life lived in the impossible. Though we may face impossibilities and sufferings, they're just opportunities for God to reveal who he is and his love and his might and his glory in our lives. The God of the universe has invited us to partner with him Allowing heaven to come to earth. We heard that this morning. We heard that about the testimony of the grandmother praying. For her granddaughter in the upcoming surgery. And it not having to happen. Because God healed her. Let me read this again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Than all we ask or think. You know, when I read that years ago, I just said, God, enlarge my asking and my thinking and my imagination because I don't want to hold you back in any way. And he's so awesome. Stand with me. Just want to remind you, This grandmother wasn't even praying for healing. She was asking that God would be with the doctors and the staff. That he would give them wisdom. That he would lead their hands. That there would be a quick recovery after the surgery. And it wasn't even needed. That's a God who is not afraid of the impossible. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And we thank you for the truth of your word, Father. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who have set our mind on things above. Not on the earth, but on things above. Where you are. Where Christ is. Where Christ is seated at your right hand, Father. We thank you for this. We thank you for the hope and the encouragement that arises within us as we set our mind on you, on your word, on the possibilities that you want to do when we face the impossibilities. They're nothing to you, Father. And Lord, correct us and and teach us how to set our mind on things above so that we're not limiting ourselves to being victims down here. But Father, we're going to rise above whatever we face. And we're going to be overcomers with you. We're going to be heirs with you.
We're going to be co-laborers with you, bringing heaven down to earth instead of just waiting for us to get to heaven. Thank you for that hope and that promise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, have a great week. Be blessed.